You're listening to the Melting Podcast. A little of everything from everyone, everywhere. With your host, AF Grappen. Hello, everybody. This is episode 14 of the Melting Podcast. I am Erin Kazmark, your grill mistress. I'm AF Grappen, your head chef. We have titles. I know, right? Yeah, the website's in the process of being updated, and you're actually going to see all this fanciness once I get off my butt and do it. No, you have to sit on your butt and do it, once because I you're sitting s- at the computer. <laughs> once I sit on my butt and do it. This is a very special episode, a very emotional episode. I'm going to get sentimental here. This is our last episode of our first year of the Melting Podcast. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> August 1st is a very momentous day, and we'll be there in a month. It's going to be our first anniversary, folks. Things are going to change around here. Well, you're going to turn, you know, older, for one thing. Yeah, the podcast's birthday is the same as my birthday. That aside, Narcissist. It's just so I can remember its anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Yes. So I just wanted to give you a heads up that starting next month, things are going to be a little different around here. I'm not going to tell you exactly how, but you got some new things to look forward to around the disaster kitchen here. Well, I'll tell them. No. Well, we don't have to give specifics, but we can say, you know, like segments and stuff. That's mutiny, but okay, fine. So in year two of the Melting Podcast, you have to look forward to new types of segments. We have material that we've recorded at Balticon, which some of you listeners, it may be you. You're next. So new fiction, new types of fiction, an entirely different selection in our buffet. We have a buffet? Why, yes. Yes, we do. Is it all you can eat? Well, they, they can listen to the episodes as many times as they want, so yeah. Ah, uh, the internet age. We knew that we needed to end this year on a high note. We needed this last episode of this first year of our podcast To go out with a bang. Here's a story. A Bad Idea by Martin Spernal Coyote was pissed, which is a rare thing, really. This is such a bad idea, he thought. It just wasn't his style, and he wasn't the right mythical entity to do it, either. Even worse, it was no idea of his own. Trust on human nature! the old fortune teller had said. All you have to do is give the boy a gun. Yeah, right, mumbled Coyote as he set out on that special path of his, the one that travels equally through space and time. What a crap idea. One would have heard him grumble all the way if one could have been there with him. No one did hear him, though, as his path knows some extra twists and turns that none of ours do. Serves me right to play cards with the Queen of Tarot. How am I supposed to put a gun in a boy's hands when I don't even have opposable thumbs myself? I wonder what she makes Monkey do when he loses the cards. He was grumbling when he noticed he'd found the place all right. He'd have to concentrate a lot harder to find the right time. He needed the boy to be agile enough to handle a gun, but not have any actual experience with one. Coyote figured age eight might work. Europe at that time had not yet come to view gun practice as a socially acceptable pastime for boys. The boy would change that in his later years, but Coyote had a feeling his task might have something to do with that. 
Actually, finding and obtaining a suitable sidearm proved much harder, though. Europe had also not yet accepted firearms as a basic human right. The boy would also change a few things regarding basic human rights, and Coyote was certain the fortune teller's task had everything to do with making sure that never happened. Make it easier to get a gun, though, he mumbled. People sure had sidearms, but no one let them lie about for Coyote to pick up. There was the military sidearm the boy's father hid behind his tax books. He was tempted, as this weapon seemed to have some guilty secret attached. In the end, Coyote went for the local policeman's service pistol, after observing the obvious interest the boy displayed in the lawkeepers. Once the gun was procured, it had to be placed where the boy could conveniently find it. The spot needed to be far enough from adult interference, but also one the boy would be sure to stumble upon. In a stroke of luck, Coyote discovered something that would make things so much easier. The boy had a cruel streak and loved to take it out on animals, especially mangy dogs. Coyote endured more than one beating until he could lure the boy away from the houses and far enough into the woods for his plan to work. One balmy afternoon in late August, all of the elements of Coyote's master plan aligned perfectly. He had the gun laid out on the forest path just so a curious boy would pick it up. He himself was positioned halfway between the boy's school and his home. He had rolled in the pine needles by the roadside to appear his scrawny best. He had even practiced a limp that would foster the boy's sense of superiority. Coyote knew the boy preferred to beat weak and defenseless creatures. Everything was perfect, and Coyote would finally be able to face his friend the fortune teller and report his gambling debts paid. Look, David, there's the mangy dog I told you about. Let's beat him dead together. Wait, Coyote thought. Why isn't the boy alone? He never brought friends before. I don't want to beat a weak creature, said a second boy, who was much taller and stronger. It's not fair. This dog needs to be put down, said the first boy. It will corrupt the breed if we allow it to live. The taller second boy nodded at that and followed his smaller friend. This wasn't going according to plan. Coyote made toward the forest. There he's getting away, called the small first boy, and both boys gave chase. Coyote, never one to decline a good chase, loped ahead, tongue lolling in excitement. The first boy, the one Coyote was here for, knew this game well by now and managed to keep up. The second boy, the unexpected one called David, was bigger and bulkier and lagged behind. By the time they reached the spot where the prepared gun gleamed in the afternoon sunlight, Coyote had forgotten all about his plans for the smaller boy. He was enjoying the chase so much, he never noticed that the boy was so fixed on his prey, he simply ran past the gun. Wait, called David, the second boy. What is this? Realization struck Coyote, and he skidded to a stop. Confused about the sudden turn of events, the first boy just came to a halt beside him, the stick in his hand forgotten. Come see, called the second boy. See what I found. The first boy dropped his stick, turned, and walked back. Ah, crap, said Coyote, not caring if the boys would hear him use human language. That's the wrong boy with the gun! That's a police pistol, said the first boy. Where did you find it, David? It was here on the path. The second boy turned the gun in his hands. Coyote didn't know what to do. This was such a bad idea, and he had told the gypsy. You don't put guns into children's hands if you don't want something nasty to happen. Well, the plan had been for something nasty to happen, only not to the wrong boy. Give me the pistol, David. 
the first boy demanded. I'll shoot the dog with it. No, I found it, the second boy said. You can't have everything. You give me the pistol, the first boy said. Even though he was much smaller than his friend, his voice was very calm and in control. Boys like you, David, should not carry guns. Your type is too dumb to use them. The second boy cocked the hammer. Too dumb, am I? Try and take it from me, you little cretin. Coyote slumped to the ground and covered his eyes with his paws. He may even have whimpered a bit, for he's not above that kind of thing. This idea had really gone bad. He didn't see, therefore, what happened next. The first boy, who had never taken well to insults of his personal shortcomings, rushed the much taller second boy, fists poised to strike. It never came to blows, and only too little physical struggle. There was a crack like thunder. <laughs> then the silence that follows any unintended gunshot. Coyote rolled over onto his back, hoping the bullet might have hit him instead. Adolf? The second boy whispered. Oh, God, no! Adolf? Coyote peeled one eye open. Dog, run quick! The second boy called. Go get help! I think I just shot Adolf! Coyote did run, only not to get help. Surprised as he was by the turn of events, he was rather content with the end result. He ran back to his friend the fortune teller to boast about how his marvelous plan had changed history for the better. But it wasn't your idea, friend Coyote, the old gypsy said with a smile. You did it because you are a very poor hand at cards, she pointed out and patted his head fondly. Coyote looked down at his paws. Well, I sure turned the hand history was about to deal, he said with <laughs> a huff. Yeah, maybe you should lose more often, the fortune teller said as she refilled his bowl from the special box of cat food. I predict history would be pleased. Next game tonight, same time, said the queen of tarot. Coyote only whimpered through a mouthful of crunchy bits. Even he knew better than to argue with a fortune teller. Martin Spurnow has told stories ever since he wandered the backyard jungle of Papua New Guinea as a kid. No longer able to tell them in visual media, he became serious about the written form, ranging from sci-fi, fantasy, all the way to figurative origami. He lives in a cozy second-floor cave in northern Germany, next door to a flock of crows. He has Wi-Fi, but only minimal electric light. There are no pets, and it's doubtful he'd be allowed a coyote as a guide dog. Martin's stories have appeared in Themethology, New Myths, and Iron Pen Anthology Volume 1, as well as on the Every Photo Tells podcast and, surprise, the Melting Podcast. You may have noticed a special bonus in your feed a couple weeks ago. Yes, the live Way of the Buffalo interview of us. It was fancy. We played with a beard. I looked damn good with that beard. I looked like Thorin. <clears throat> No, you looked like Thorin and Captain Jack Sparrow had an illegitimate love child. It was awesome. So in case you're wondering what that weirdness was, that was from Balticon. If you haven't listened to it, go do it. It's, it's some fun stuff. We had a good time. One of my favorite things about the interview was the feedback that we were getting from the audience. Personally, my favorite suggestion slash question was, can a listener submit a prompt idea? Instead of writing a story for a prompt or a poem based on a prompt, could they submit a prompt because they want to see stories written about it? And the answer was absolutely yes. So 
don't feel limited by what we have currently listed as our segments. That was just a starting point. We've already had one submission that broke the rules. It was based on a prompt, but is main ingredient length. And we've had another submission that seems to be along those guidelines. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like just because we have a prompt that you have to write a flash fiction for it. If you want to write us a poem or have written us a poem, shh, do it. If you want to, if, if you come up with a play, just a short little skit or something and you want us to do it, or heck, if you write an episode and you have stuff that you just want us to say because we're idiots, then you know what? We're going to say it. Yeah, send it to us. If it inspires you to write a song, even if you just send us an audio file, do it. If you want us to sing, we will try. Write it in baritone range because Theo's the best singer. <laughs> write it in tenor range if you want it to suck and have me sing it. And alto range if you want me to attempt it, which I will. <laughs> um, we did have somebody mention that they may submit to us a webcomic based on our prompts. So that could potentially happen. Granted, audio is not the best format for that, but we do have a website. So just keep in mind, this is a variety show. We want different things. If you have a way to shake things up a little bit, send it our way anyway. We will find a way to use it. We will build segments, create new things based on what you sent us. The whole point of this podcast is to showcase you. And in order to do that, we need to not limit you creatively. So be creative. Give us whatever it is that you are inspired to give us, and we will show it off. Speaking of showing other people off, here's a promo. The crew of the Deep Sea Exploration Rig Leaguer have discovered the sweetest, most easily refined oil that's ever existed. A sample barrel of their new find makes its way from Papua New Guinea to Houston Analytical Laboratories for confirmation of Leaguer's test results. As an infection breaks out on the faraway rig, the scientists at HAL make their own discovery. What Leaguer has found isn't oil, but a dangerous organism that could threaten all life on Earth. Trapped in their labs, the scientists must find a way to fight a creature that defies chemistry, physics, and biology. Paul E. Cooley's The Black Arrival is a parallel story to the Amazon horror bestseller The Black. A sci-fi techno-thriller, Arrival is a page-turner filled with suspense and claustrophobic terror. Available May 22nd in ebook and paperback from Severed Press, and as a free podcast from shadowpublications.com. We don't believe in happy endings. Hey, look at us, pimping other people. We're awesome. Considering our pimpage and our request for you to send us things to pimp, we would be remiss if we did not mention our current open prompts. So here they are. Prompt number five is, something in the bathroom is your character's spiritual leader or confidant. And prompt number six, which was newly opened just a month ago, ooh, is, why is everyone so afraid of the mailman? This is it. The end of the last episode. Of the year. Of the year. You interrupted me. Yeah, that wasn't very nice. I'm really emotional right now. I'm over it. Hi. <laughs> so we'll see you again on August 1st for the beginning of year two of the Melting Podcast. Till then, send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. 
You can find our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. Find us on Twitter at meltingpodcast or email us at themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are from the Free Sound Project, and the music is by Drew Rich Creek. <laughs>